Episode 5, New Territories. For the third year in a row, Amber Peck found herself at Newport Beach. My mom had always loved the beach. She had said she wanted to have her ashes spread on the beach. Amber had gone to the ocean for this ritual every year. It was a little tradition she'd started to be close with her mother's memory. So just every year that went by, I would go to the beach and just take a little bit of her. Not going to do all of it, but I did a little bit. Amber scattered the ashes and stayed for a little while by the crashing waves. But the water did not soothe her. Amber felt her mother's void more than ever. She left the beach feeling lost. And I was like, I don't know what to do, like kind of just thinking about it. And then all of a sudden I saw this sign, psychic. And I was like, oh, I've never noticed it before. It was a Spanish-style house by the side of the freeway. I mean, I've seen it. I knew it was there. Amber must have passed it a million times. On this day, though, she pulled to the side of the road and asked her mom for guidance. I know this might sound crazy, but like, I felt like my mother was speaking to me to like go in there. I kind of would talk to my mom at the time. It was still pretty new that she hadn't been around. So I'd be like, mom, is this what you really want me to do? Cause I'm here, <laughs> you know? And, and I felt like I was supposed to go in. So I went in. Amber walked up to the glass double doors and rang the doorbell. A short woman with dark hair, a small tight smile and beautiful blue green eyes answered. She asked, what do you want? I'd uh, like to see a psychic, like, all awkwardly. Like, I didn't know how to ask. I didn't know what to say or, like, what to expect. Ruby stood in the doorway and looked at this timid young woman. And after a second, she said, Okay, one moment. And then, like, I waited another 10, 15 minutes. She's like, this other lady's going to see you. So I'm like, okay, perfect. So that's when I met Paulina. It was the right choice (laughs) because I gained a really good friend. To Amber, it almost felt like her mother's whisper from the beyond was a sign. Amber would come to need Paulina. And Paulina would come to need Amber. More than she could have imagined. This is foretold. So far, everything we've heard is about what goes on behind the psychic shop door, of life inside the house by the side of the freeway. But there was another version of this life, seen from the outside, what a customer saw when they walked in the front door, like Amber did. So I'm looking around, there's a big fish tank, a huge couch, like a table. I remember thinking, man, this room is bright. (laughs) And um, I felt uncomfortable because I'd never been in a psychic office before. (laughs) Paulina led Amber into another room, and she laid out a spread of tarot cards. She just was very intuitive. She said, you know, it seems like you have a closed heart, which I did. I had lost my mom. I didn't want to let anybody in, you know. She said that's something that we'd probably work on. And then she did a reading, and the reading was, like, dead on with, like, my past 
My mom was struggling with drugs and addiction, so we were taken away. Me and my twin sister were taken away at 18 months old. So our entire like adoptive upbringing was not the best. We had always yearned for a parent. But Amber said she and her twin didn't get to meet their birth mom until they were 16. And then like I lost my mom at 21 to an overdose. Wow. And that was right after you had just started to get to know her. Yes. So it like hit even harder for me to lose her because I'd finally had that love that I'd never felt before. You know, that I knew a mom loves a child. Had you looked for guidance in other areas? Like, were you going to therapy or had you considered like a counselor? Yes, of course. I was in therapy, but it's just like not the same as like feeling connected to like your inner self to be able to, I don't know, I sound like a crazy person, but to be able to like feel, you know, I just wanted to feel connected to my mom because I felt so disconnected from the loss. And I had also, myself, I struggle with addiction. So at the time, I had just gotten sober. So I didn't know how to live without my mom and being sober. Like, these were all new territories for me. And Paulina seemed to immediately sense all of this. She knew what was off. She could sense me being, like, adopted, which is so weird because I don't just, like, go out and tell people that. She said that I had also lost somebody that I loved, which I hadn't told her about my mom yet until after the reading. What did that feel like for you, to have someone read you so closely like that? The only other person that's done it is my mom, my real mom, the one that passed. So I felt like I was exactly where I needed to be. And so Amber kept coming back. In the beginning, Paulina suggested cleanses to help Amber feel emotionally lighter, like literal baths. Sometimes it was salt, sometimes it was flour, sometimes it was like potpourri things. And Paulina introduced Amber to crystals. She instructed her to hold on to them when the pain would wash over her and Amber needed healing. Other times, Paulina played chakra bowls and performed sound baths. She'd have me lay down or like sit with my legs flat or my hands up, close my eyes, and then all of a sudden you hear this Paulina would lead Amber through meditations, teaching her how to take time to breathe, to sit quietly with herself. I think it just built my confidence up to to do it, I mean, and open my heart. I guess which is what I needed. (laughs) You were telling a lot about yourself. You were sharing a lot of yourself here. Was there much of her starting to share with you? Not at all. I didn't even know her age. Paulina was still a teenager. But to Amber, who was about six years older than her, Paulina was a beacon of serenity. Her spiritual guide, leading Amber on a journey to a deeper understanding of herself. Amber had no idea that Paulina's life at home was chaotic. Cooking, cleaning, raising a baby, running the shop, trying to carve out a place for herself in her marriage and family. Still, Amber did pick up on a few things. I picked up that she didn't drive. I picked up that her husband took her everywhere she went. You know, they were starting a family. They were newly together. And that's really it. Just the bare minimum. 
But this was actually kind of a lot of information that Amber was accessing. I mean, relatively. The line was a little bit blurred, to be completely honest with you, because every reader will say that, like, hey, we really do, like, want our clients to succeed or we really do care about our clients. But, like, our people didn't really view outsiders as friends. But Amber was sweet. She would bring Paulina smoothies and ask about her daughter. Paulina found herself wanting to be closer to her and maybe be friends. But I can't call my community and be like, hey, I'm going to a movie with my friend. That was like very taboo. They'd be like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're going crazy. You're not allowed to do that. Up to that point, most of Paulina's friendships had been within the family. She hung out with girls from her community all the time. Literally all of my, like, friends that are in the culture are related to me. So they're cousins. But since Amber was an outsider, Paulina said she could only see her if she had some sort of excuse. Like, if I would tell my mother-in-law, like, I want to go shopping, and so Amber's going to drive me to the mall. Like, that would be like, oh, well, I guess you can go with her since she's driving you. So it was like a secret friendship. Like, I remember I couldn't really tell anyone else, like, hey, Amber's my actual friend. Paulina and her new client-slash-friend Amber were seeing each other at least a couple times a month. And gradually, Paulina started letting her guard down. She began to open up to Amber about her life and her unhappiness at home. Like, I felt like I could trust her. Like, with Amber, I had nothing to lose. I didn't have my pride, you know, there was no shame in sharing with Amber. She made me feel less alone in the way that she just listened. She would give me her opinion, she would give me some advice, made me see things from a different point of view. I mean, isn't that kind of what friendships are about? <laughs> After 3 years of seeing Paulina regularly, Amber's life completely turned around. Amber had a new job, a new boyfriend, a new way of looking at her life. She wasn't the same timid woman in search of guidance. But I didn't want to say goodbye. <laughs> I didn't want to stop seeing her. So she'd show up at Paulina's shop just to say hi, just less frequently. And around this time, Paulina found out she was pregnant with her second daughter. I remember her being pregnant, and I was like, so have you thought of any names? And she's like, yeah, actually, I really like the name Amber. I was like, oh. <laughs> So in 2016, when Paulina gave birth to another little girl, she gave her the middle name Amber. I cared about Amber, and she was a real friend. Meanwhile, Paulina's life at home wasn't getting any easier. During her first pregnancy, Paulina said, the family had relaxed on some of her household duties. But she said that wasn't the case during the second pregnancy. The day I went into labor with my second daughter, I was, like, cleaning 10 chickens. So having to, like, burn the feathers off and scrub them with salt and for this, you know, big dinner. That's it. Just a dinner. No occasion or anything. And it was really hard. And I didn't feel good. And I didn't want to, like, disappoint these men that were there. I ended up not finishing it, though. I was like, I don't feel good. Like, something's off. And I went to the hospital, like, that night. And now juggling two babies on top of her full-time work, Paulina started leaning on Amber more and more. 
Sometimes, Paulina would reach out to ask her for little favors or errands, like once when she needed help getting food for her babies. There was a time where I needed milk, and so I had to call Amber, like, late at night, and I was like, Amber, please, like, you know, I need baby milk. Like, I can't walk to the market. It's too far. Like, it's late. Paulina said Bobby wasn't home. The boys have been gone for, like, a couple days, and, you know, can you help me? And so that was a little bit of a turning point, like, you know, where I let Amber in maybe a little bit more. She 100% made me feel less alone. And it kind of, like, opened a door. For most of her life, Paulina saw clients as she was taught to see them, as outsiders, gajay, people who were unclean and needed help with outsider problems like drug addictions or alcoholism. And it was true that Amber was an outsider, and she did struggle with addiction. But now she was also a friend, and she was opening a door to the non-Romani world, with its problems and struggles, sure, but also its friendships and possibilities. Soon, Paulina started to wonder if that world might have a place for her. Paulina said she and Bobby had always wanted to open their own psychic shop. They'd planned on it before they were even married, and before Paulina started working with Ruby. So after two years of living and working in the train station, Paulina was getting stir-crazy. She was itching to put that plan into action. Part of it was like I wanted to escape, you know, from my day-to-day life. She desperately wanted her own space. And I felt like I just wanted to kind of do my own thing. So when Paulina was 19 years old, it was finally time to expand. But here's the thing. Paulina's new shop would not be in the same neighborhood as Ruby's shop. Like, we have to only operate psychic businesses, specifically in certain territories. In the Romani American world of fortune-telling, when you purchase a territory, you're basically calling dibs on it. Like, this is your area. That way, fortune-telling businesses are not in competition with each other. Every psychic gets their own domain and the potential client pool that comes with it. We found a place. We put down whatever money we had saved. We remodeled it. And done. Boom. The proposed new shop was going to be in pretty desirable territory, a small upscale beach city in Orange County. They had found a sweet little spot on a major street with lots of shops and foot traffic. So Paulina and Bobby tapped their savings, and Ruby and John Paul pitched in too. They were happy. Like, they were supportive. If it's business, it's business. (laughs) Paulina had a place she could actually call her own. And whether or not they knew what they had done, John Paul and Ruby had granted Paulina a new sort of independence. I kind of was able to have the power to do my own thing. I had a huge space. Everything was really bright. I also even had this artist put up some art in there, like super colorful, like inviting and a little mystical at the same time. Paulina was coming into her own 
She was excited to set everything up in her new shop and to get some space, both physically and metaphysically, to try something new, apart from Ruby's shop. It just wasn't my vibe, you know. I feel like I wasn't flourishing there. Paulina started to settle into her style, focusing on her own brand of help and healing. And over time, clients started trickling in. I wanted to really cater to the Western version of wellness, basically. Like, I definitely wanted to cater more to the American world. So she got her life coaching certification, sold crystals and candles, and really made the place her own. I remember I put this, like, massage bed in there, and I did some sound bowl healing, and that was healing for me. Like, opening the business the way I wanted to open the business was amazing. It was also a place where she could bring her kids to work. While Paulina met with clients, her girls would play nearby just like Paulina once did with her mom when she was a kid. During my in-between breaks, because it wasn't just straight work, you know, I'd go and, like, do a little Legos with them or, or puzzles, or I was just so blessed to have clients that were okay with me bringing my kids there. And so Paulina found herself spending more and more time in her new shop, more than normal working hours. She'd go there to get some space away from the train station, and so her babies could get some sleep, Paulina even hired someone to install a shower in the little bathroom to make it easier when she wanted to sleep over, which she often did. So when I opened that place and I installed that shower and stuff, I was like, I want to spend the night here with the kids, for like no interruptions. These long stretches away from the train station gave her time to think, to reflect on her life at home, and slowly she started shaking off her in-laws' rules. They were like, well, you wake up and you don't do anything. Like, you don't fix breakfast. And I'm like, yeah, because I need to open my office. You know, it's like 9, 10 o'clock. Like, it's a business. Paulina was clearly feeling emboldened by her shop. And not just because it was her own space with her own rules and her own decor and her own practice— Really, she just loved the customers she attracted in this little beach town so much more than at the train station, which, if you recall, was across the street from a club. And so people would come in, you know, drunk, or people would just come in a lot more kind of skeptics or whatever. But in Paulina's new shop, she had a different type of clientele. It was a different atmosphere. It was more early morning business, and people were aware and interested. And one of those very aware and interested customers was Matt Verminsky. Well, the very first time I went in there was with my wife. And we were walking around and um, just trying to uh, kind of explore. Matt was in his 40s. He had been married for about five years at this point, And he and his wife had been having a hard time in their marriage. But they were trying to make it work. So one weekend, they went on a date. You know, I think it was on a Sunday and we were just trying to like do something together, you know, like a day to kind of rekindle something. Matt said they wandered into the psychic shop on a lark. And I remember going in there and Paulina saying, hey, you guys have good energy. Do you want me to do a, a reading for you guys? They declined the reading, left the shop. And over the course of the next year, Matt's life fell apart. 
So there was the failed marriage. Um, I didn't handle it right. Soon after they separated, Matt was charged with two counts, corporal injury on a spouse and a child abuse and endangerment charge. The child abuse and endangerment charge was later dismissed, but Matt pled guilty to the corporal injury on a spouse charge. I pushed her in her face, and um, I'm in a holding cell, and I have to tell my business partners that I've been arrested for domestic violence. Matt was at rock bottom. He had a criminal record, he was getting divorced, and he was trying not to lose progress on his years-long journey of sobriety. He was desperate to stop his destructive cycle. I'm talking with a psychologist, I'm going to church, I'm working out, I'm doing all of these things. And then, for some reason, Matt remembered Paulina's shop by the beach. Something seemed to be calling him back. To me, walking into that shop was kind of like a last-ditch effort to quiet my mind. This time, Matt agreed to let Paulina do a reading. And I think it was just coming back to Paulina. She was very engaging, and um, there was just something different, something interesting about her. By the end of their first session together, Matt wanted to sign up for Paulina's package deal. In those hour sessions in that little office, I could get intimate in my truth with a stranger and not feel judged for it. I told her all my worst things, right? All these things I wanted to change about myself. So there was no facade. Paulina used all the tools in her arsenal. Singing bowls, custom meditations, spiritual advising, the whole shebang. And we did a chakra cleansing, and that was life-changing. Paulina got Matt started on a whole new diet. Which is raw. I mean, the diet's very strict. With all of these lifestyle changes, Matt was starting to carry himself differently, with more confidence. People were coming up to me. Girls were asking me to dance, like, people were drawn to me. It could have been because of my meditative state. It could have been having more of a smile on my face. It could have been a different physique or exterior, but something in my life was changing. But Matt was convinced this was more than just a series of healthy lifestyle changes. He came to believe that Paulina was truly gifted with special metaphysical abilities. One time during a session, she did a healing bowl and it put me in a complete trance. Trance, trance. I opened my eyes and the whole room was like a white cloud and I could barely see her. Barely see her. Under the influence of nothing, broad daylight in her office, it was unreal. So I'm thinking, what a powerful individual to be able to kind of bring that out in me. Just this powerful little force with, um, with a lot of influence. And the people that she would advise... Some of these people were a lot more successful than me. So I'm like, what is it about this little individual? Okay, as someone who is also around five feet tall, I wouldn't describe myself as a little individual. But whatever, you get it. Paulina was really talented. She was in her early 20s, but she had already been practicing for years, and she was pretty skilled. But as the months went on and Matt continued his sessions with her, he started noticing parts of her life that just weren't adding up. 
I knew what kind of money I was paying her. I would see people come in after me and leave before me. So she's got a pretty good practice. And yet there wasn't any proof of massive success. As far as Matt could tell, Paulina seemed to be barely scraping by, even though she was always working at the shop. I remember she had this shitty stroller and the wheels wobbling and she had no idea of her surroundings. I'm like, there's a dry cleaner over there. There's a healthy organic shake shop over here. Like, open up, smell the roses. It's funny how two people can see the same thing in totally different ways, right? Sometimes the way Matt saw Paulina's life was at odds with the way Paulina saw her own life. Like, for example... Matt thought it was strange Paulina often wore safety pins in her clothes. But for Paulina, that just made sense. Because I was, like, gaining a lot of weight, then losing weight, then, like, gaining weight, then losing weight, because I was, like, pregnant and then nursing. And Matt was shocked when he discovered Paulina had put a shower in the shop's bathroom. She's basically living in the back of her store. Which, for Paulina, was totally normal. Everyone had lived in their shops her whole life. And this shop had been her freedom. I only felt that it was an escape, and it was better than being the other place. But I guess he had felt like I was being, like, mistreated or something. That's kind of what he had said. That's where I started asking questions, you know, about um, what the family life was like or what was really going on. And he just kept asking questions, and he was, like, so interested, and I felt like I could just open up. Paulina started telling Matt more and more about her life and the way she was raised. I think a lot of the things that um, she would bring up, I think she brought them up for validation. That is this normal? No, it's not normal. I think you already know that it's not normal. Although, you know, normal is relative. And Matt and Paulina were each looking at what normal meant from two very different vantage points. So even if Matt didn't totally understand what was going on, Paulina was eager to get his take on her life. She was really curious about his perspective as an outsider, especially one who was taking a special interest in her well-being. I just saw things that needed to be done, you know, so I would do them. Matt would change light bulbs at Paulina's shop or take out the trash. He even bought her a brand new stroller. And honestly, Paulina was loving the attention. There was little things that Matt was doing and saying, and I felt like... Just that in general had me surprised. Their relationship was deepening. Paulina started leaning on Matt as much as he was relying on her. I felt like he was this support system that I never really had. I was just like, wow, like here's this, you know, really nice guy. He went out of his way to make her feel special. He had texted me happy Mother's Day, and he said, I hope you're cherished on this day. You're a great mom. And I don't know why, but no one has ever used that word, like, cherished. And I still kind of get, like, emotional because I'm like, that was just very personal. Matt's life experience was totally different than any of the men in her family. He was talking, I remember, one time about, like, high school and... I was like, wow, you went to high school and he played lacrosse, like some real, like, I don't know, American kind of sport or something. And I was like, wow, like, it really happens, all this stuff. 
And I was like, oh, like it's like in the movies, like in the American movies. And just like a movie, well, I'm sure you can tell where this is going. So I had a sense that there was a connection there, but I didn't know where it was going to go, you know, because she's in a relationship. She has children and um, and I remember kind of being caught in that. What do I do? You know. What would he do? Well, for now, Matt left the future in Paulina's hands. Paulina had established herself as a married woman, with two kids, a husband, and a psychic shop she could call her own. But that wasn't enough for Paulina. She was growing increasingly antsy. While she was helping her friends, Amber and Matt, turn their lives around, her life continued to trudge along a path she had always known. A well-worn path. One that her husband and in-laws expected for her. But gradually... Paulina started to inch off that path. I stopped, you know, wearing the head covering all the time in public, and people were, like, talking, and I was like, I don't give a fuck. Not getting dressed up, putting makeup on, wearing sneakers. I don't know. When you change, you know, people notice. She started to try on what dressing differently might feel like, and it felt pretty good felt right. It got her thinking about what else she might want to try. I just remember thinking, like, I just want to be able to have my own independence. Like, I would like to get an education. I would like to not live with his parents. I would like to drive. So she decided to get a driver's license. She didn't ask permission. And she said Bobby's family did not approve. That was one of the first things I remember that, like, set them off. Because I just went and did it. I was like, I don't care. I'm just getting my driver's license. Like, I need to get it. So, as you know, I wasn't able to talk to Bobby or his parents. But I do have some court documents from Bobby's perspective. And he said that Paulina portrayed him as controlling because she could not drive. In his defense, he wrote, quote, Women of our culture customarily do not drive. He added that he drove her around whenever she wanted. Paulina said she remembered her father-in-law, John Paul, warning that her new driver's license would be bad for Paulina's marriage. He was like, well, if the women get their driver's license, then the men will not have any way to, you know, bond or spend time, like, with his wife. Like, the wife has to need the husband to drive her around and to do things, or else she's going to be free and do things on her own. Paulina said she already felt like she was doing a lot of things on her own. You're just sitting there, like, all that time, having to take care of two kids and tend to the whole house. In those court documents, Bobby wrote, quote, I have been involved in raising our daughter since their births on a day-to-day basis, and I'm extremely close with them. He said he'd help them with learning their shapes and colors, doing crafts together and coloring. Quote, I am involved in all aspects of our daughter's lives. We play and have fun. Paulina acknowledges that Bobby helped with the girls sometimes, but what stands out in her mind are the times he was away. 
you know, your partner goes missing for like three days and he doesn't answer his phone. You have no idea where he is. Bobby wrote in the court documents, quote, This is a melodramatic representation of the facts. On occasion, I would go out with friends or stay at a casino for a few days. Paulina, he said, quote, was always invited but declined to go. He also said that he never shut off his phone. He said she knew where he was, who he was with, and how to contact him. He wrote that Paulina, quote, enjoyed her freedom at other times and left me responsible for our children. I believe this is normal for most families. All parents need a break sometimes. Paulina does not remember it that way. I would go on, like, Yelp and, like, look at pictures and be like, maybe I could find him. Of course, no one uploaded pictures of Bobby on Yelp. But from Paulina's perspective, the situation was that desperate. So that's where it just gets to a point, I don't know, you're just so uncomfortable that you want to leave. And that's what it was. As Paulina was itching to leave, her in-laws were doing their best to make her stay. Over the years, they tried different ways to appease their daughter-in-law. For one thing, they permitted a nanny, who was an outsider, to help Paulina watch the girls. And after years of living at the train station, Paulina was getting cabin fever, and her in-laws could tell. So eventually, Paulina said, John Paul and Ruby picked out a house for them, not too far away, just about a mile up the road. It gave her and Bobby some breathing room as they grew into a family of four. Still, though, Paulina wasn't happy about it. I really did not want that place whatsoever, but his dad was like, if you guys don't want it, and I was like, I don't want it, and I'm not sure about it. And he's like, are you sure? Because it's a great place, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, okay, just get it. Go ahead. I never even got attached to it because I never wanted it. You know what I mean? Like, they just placed me there. But I told Bobby, I was like, I'm done with the house. I hate this house. Paulina wanted to leave the house. She wanted to leave her marriage. She wanted out. I knew I was going to go, and I started planning to leave at that point. But then Bobby's parents would intervene, thinking maybe some time away would patch things up. His parents, like, sent us to Vegas. We were like, oh, let's have fun in Vegas. But after every vacation, the couple would come back. And everything was the same again. Once again, she'd planned to leave. And he's, like, yelling at me and, like, why do you want to go? Back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, just let me go. I don't know why, but I felt like I'm a mother. And I deserve more. Paulina said she had so many experiences that felt like the last straw. Last straws on top of last straws. When her mom moved to a nearby town in L.A. County, Paulina started spending time at her place. Any excuse to get away. I didn't want to see his family or talk to them because it just, it wasn't good whenever we did talk. And I was like, just give me space. No matter how much space she had, the new shop, new house, even her mom's house. It was never enough for Paulina. And all that space was a big red flag for John, Paul, and Ruby. They said, why isn't she making an effort for us? Like, she's not fighting for us. Like, just weird stuff. And I'm like, am I married to you people? Like, no, I'm not. Like, I don't understand. They must have been able to tell things were getting worse between Paulina and Bobby. Because once... When Paulina was staying at her mom's place, John Paul and Ruby decided enough was enough. It was time to hash things out. Paulina recalled one day when Bobby, Ruby, and John Paul came over and gathered in her mom's living room. And then the conversation just went like, why do you want to leave? Why are you here? 
And I was like, <laughs> I remember I started laughing when they asked me that. I said things like, I'm just really stressed out and I'm just going through a really hard time and I need space and I don't trust your son. And they're like, well, you knew that when you got here. And so I knew like even that, even me trying to like fake, you know, some of the things like talking about the small issues they were arguing about. And so I was like, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. Taking the advice of Ruby, right. And just using it. Until suddenly the conversation with Ruby shifted. And then she looked at me and she looked at me in a way that I felt like she was speaking to a younger version of herself. Like, I could just tell that she knew how stressed out I was. I was, like, losing my hair. I had anxiety, hives. Like, it was a really stressful situation. And I know that she's been through some really crazy stuff in her life. Then she looked at me and her tone of voice changed and she was like, do you feel like maybe there's something else out there for you? Do you feel like maybe you're not fulfilled enough like in this life or with this family or with your husband, with your kids? Like, do you need more? Paulina says Ruby kept repeating that question over and over. Do you feel like, you know, we're not good enough? Do you just want more? Do you want to do more? And then something began to crystallize for Paulina. Before that moment, like, I was thinking more of, like, I just don't want to be here. Um, that's it. Like, I just don't want to be here. I wasn't thinking about what I really wanted. And then when she said that, I really felt like she was possibly contemplating or thinking that herself. For a moment, it seemed as if Ruby could understand what Paulina was feeling that perhaps she knew the risk it posed and what could happen to Paulina's kids, her own grandkids, if Paulina were to ever leave. Do you feel like, you know, we're not good enough? Do you just want more? Do you want to do more? And I lied and I was like, no, I'm not thinking that. (laughs) I was like, no, that's not why. And maybe in the moment, maybe it wasn't why. But I felt like we really had like a moment with each other. It was spring 2018. Paulina was almost 23 years old, and she was staying away as much as she could, either at her shop or her mom's place. And one day, Paulina said she brought her daughters to her mom's house without her in-laws' permission. She and the girls stayed overnight, and then another night, and another. They stayed there for a few days, maybe longer. She said Bobby panicked. And then, like, the kids were crying, and he's like, we're not going to share the kid. And I don't know. Like, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I ended up going back. But I told Bobby, I was like, I really don't want to come back. Like, I'm done with the house. I hate this house. So Paulina continued to spend stretches of time away from home. And then, in July 2018, Paulina's mom had to get a surgery. Paulina went to take care of her for a few days. But this time, Paulina said, she was told she could not bring the girls. And they say that I can't bring the kits with me because, you know, that stunt I pulled, that's what they said. 
So Paulina went to her mom's place and left the girls at the train station. I was like, I'm just going to focus on my mother. And this is the longest I've ever stood away from my kids. So it started with four days. Paulina said that when she called the house, no one would pick up. I didn't get to talk to them. I didn't get to see them. Nobody would answer their phone. Her children were two and three years old at the time. Paulina was anxious about being away from them for so long. So four days go by and then five days go by. And then I'm like, it just doesn't seem right. And once again, Paulina said, Bobby was in Las Vegas. So the day he's coming back from Vegas, I decide that I'm going to go there. Paulina had been gone for nine days. I just needed to see my kids. I was like, I need to see my kids. It's been nine days. And that was the longest I've ever spent without them. I walked back in the house and I saw them. And they ran to me. And they were crying. And they were like, Mom, we missed you. And my little one was like, what happened to you? And I was just crying. And so in my mind, I was thinking, like, who's nurturing them? Like, you know, who is just, like, being there for them the way that I was? They were hugging me and holding me. And I just can't explain it. Like, there's this these, like, little, like, endorphins that were just going off in my head. It was like an emotional high. Paulina said she and the girls went into their bedroom, just playing and holding on to each other. But the spell of their reunion was immediately broken. So then Bobby walks in. Finally, he gets back from Vegas and he's in a full-blown suit, like with a hanky and everything, all wrinkled. And he says... Listen, all these days, which has only been nine days, but he's like, all these days without you, you know, has made me realize that I just like being single and I don't want to be with you. Which, honestly, was fine by Paulina. And then I was just thinking, like, okay, like, but I'm taking the kids. That's all I said. I was like, I need to take the kids. And then he said, no, the kids are safer here with my parents, so they're going to stay with my parents and you can come in the house and visit whenever you want. And I'm going to do what I want with my life, and you could do what you want with yours, but the kids are staying here. They argued in the bedroom for a few minutes. Paulina says she got up with her kids to go to the kitchen. Bobby thought she was heading for the door. Because I was just trying to go in the kitchen, but I guess he thought I was trying to leave the house. And he was blocking the doorway. So then in my mind, like, it clicked in me, and I said, okay, I'm taking the kids. And I was scared. I went into a very, like, panic protective mode. Like, when he was blocking the door, my heart started racing, and I knew not to engage with him. And so I wasn't arguing with him. I was just agreeing with him, but not in a way that's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, I was just trying to hold my composure, and I was planning in my head. I was like, okay, jackets, like, shoes, where's my purse? Because he's about to go to the bar and meet the boys. And so he takes off his jacket, he puts on another jacket, he puts on a new hanky, and then he says, I'm going to the bar. The kids are not to leave the house. So then he goes and talks to his dad or something, and his dad tells his brother to stay in the house to, like, watch me, because I think they think I'm going to leave. Paulina said she kept her cool. She stayed on the bed playing with her two daughters. She lay low, just biding her time. So then his brother and his cousin are outside in the backyard, like smoking or something, and his dad knocks out. Like he is like snoring, knocked out on the couch. 
It was midnight. Ruby was out running the psychic booth at the Orange County Fair, but she could come back at any moment. Paulina knew she had to get out of there fast. She slipped into the bedroom closet, pulled out her phone, and called her friend, Amber. She usually always seemed calm when I talked to her, but she sounded like she needed help, like she had nowhere else to turn. Amber was at her house, just down the street, hosting a friend. And I said, please, it's an emergency. Please come and pick us up, like right now. So I just went out and like said, hey, I got to go pick up my friend. She really needs me right now. And that was kind of all I said. And I left. The minutes felt like hours to Paulina. I was like looking out the door and like watching the kids. And I was like just, I don't know, I was like pacing I had walked in the kitchen, like, I walked around just to make sure, like, he was, like, snoring. And their brother, who was supposed to be, like, keeping an eye on me, was, like, out smoking in the backyard with one of his cousins. So I grabbed the girls and I said, hey, like, we're going to go to Amber's house and we're going to watch a movie. Like, they didn't see any crying. They had no idea. I said, just be quiet so you don't wake your grandfather up. Paulina grabbed the girls' jackets and shoes. And at the last minute, a hobby horse toy Bobby had bought the girls from Vegas— Then they headed to the door. She told me to meet her at the donut shop, so I had literally just pulled in. While she was pulling up, I had called her, and she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm grabbing the kids, I'm stepping out, I'm like, right in front, do you want me to park at the donut shop right in front? I'm like, just pull up a little closer, like, I couldn't walk. It felt like my knees were, like, trembling, and she was like, go, go, go. I go with the kids in the car. She was clicking the girls' seatbelts like as we were driving away. Just was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. This means so much to me. But we were like whispering, you know, because the kids were like playing or something. And she's like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. The house by the side of the freeway got farther and farther away. Paulina had left. This episode was created and hosted by me, Faith Pinu, with Asala Sanapur, Senior Producer. Alex Higgins, Producer. Lauren Rabb, Assistant Editor. Avery Truffleman, Editor. Sue Horton, Editor. Jasmine Aguilera, Editor, Executive Producer. Hiba Alarbani, Executive Producer. Dr. Ethel Brooks, Romani Cultural Consultant. Mike Heflin, Audio Engineer. Vadim Kolpakov, seven-string guitarist and composer. Alex PGSB, composer. Fact-checking on this episode was done by Kasha Brusalian, Lauren Rabb, Asala Sanapur, and myself. Our theme music was composed by Vadim Kolpakov and Alex PGSV. Other original scoring is by Vadim Kolpakov, Alex PGSV, as well as Alex Higgins. Nicholas Perez is our editorial assistant. Thanks to Shawnee Hilton and Kevin Merida. Thank you also to our marketing and creative services team, Brandon Sides, Dylan Harris, Carrie Shemansky, and Kayla Bell. Thanks to Mackenzie Martin for tape syncing Amber's interview. And thank you for listening. <laughs>